From KLCC Studios, this is Oregon on the Record. I'm Michael Dunn. While Oregon is often held up as an example of progressive politics, there's one area where we might not be as progressive as we think, and it's not in our politics, but in the ranks of our politicians. In our state, where women outnumber men by more than 40,000, only 48% of House members and 30% of Senate members are women. And for women of color, the numbers are even more stark. But a national organization with a new office in Oregon wants to change that. Today on Oregon on the Record, you'll hear from the national and local leader of the organization Vote Run Lead, a nonpartisan nonprofit whose mission is to train women to run for office and win. They've trained tens of thousands of women to run for higher office, and you'll hear how they're targeting Oregon to become a state with a majority of women in the state house. Today on Oregon on the Record, you'll hear a conversation with two women who want our legislatures to get more done by having more women inside state capitals, including Salem. Vote Run Lead trains women to run for office, and its CEO and founder and new state director join us now to talk about their strategy to elevate more women to power. Erin Velarde, the founder and CEO of Vote Run Lead, and Becca Phelps, its Oregon state director. Thanks so much to both of you for coming on the show and talking with us. Absolutely. You bet. Maybe, Aaron, start with you. Kind of why did you decide to fund this organization? What did you see that needed your help? That's a great question, Michael. Thank you. I have been doing this work of increasing women's political representation in the U.S. for a little over two decades. And honestly, it was something that started for me um, in childhood. It was fairly obvious growing up that the way we were talking about women in the United States was often as victims and mm. not as people who were to provide the solutions. So I had the opportunity right out of college to get one of those life-changing internships that showed me the power of thinking about women as leaders to our solutions. And while now we take that often as the norm, it hasn't been that long that we have had an active sort of cultural conversation, a you know pop culture conversation, a political conversation, where we value women and the impetus to you know, seed a political leadership pipeline um, and even in our corporations to seed more women in our, our highest offices and in these formal positions of power. So um, I feel very grateful to do this work and feel like we at Boat Run Lead and Boat Run Lead Action have been part of normalizing the idea that women belong in leadership. And um, now we're normalizing that idea that women should actually be the majority of Mm. folks in office and folks in leadership. Becca, I'm going to ask you, you know, kind of what, what got you engaged to to join the organization and, and, and run its, its, its Oregon operations. Sure thing. I have a background in education and grew up in a Grew up teaching in rural Kentucky and traveled in a few different places of the world teaching and thought that would be my life goal and my life, my career. Hmm. And it turns out once I moved to Oregon, I found political organizing by way of education, actually, and got into running a statewide ballot measure within my first three months of living on the West Coast here in Oregon, all the way from Kentucky. Hmm. And from that point on, I was hooked. I had a, and still do have a really great political mentor here in Oregon. I've gotten the chance to work on a number of ballot measures and initiatives and local campaigns here in Central Oregon, where I live. 
and most recently got to be involved in legislative priorities in the 2022 and 2023 legislative session. And a little bit similar to Aaron, realizing how women are still underrepresented in those spaces, kept I kept coming back to that. And this opportunity came to me just recently to work at Vote Run Lead, a national organization to help recruit, train, and coach women candidates. And that was really appealing to me. Aaron, you said you, you've been interested in, in this, in this, in this, this pursuit, this, 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 this calling for quite some time. I guess my question to you is, are you surprised that women in general haven't made as much progress as maybe you thought they were going to maybe a decade or two earlier? There's been many times when you know national media talking about a particular election this is the year of the woman and there seems to be you know uh, uh, you know several uh, United States senators who are women or, or uh, you know a handful of, of, of House of Representatives who are women but then it never seems to take hold kind of what's your you know kind of are you disappointed that that we haven't made as much progress what most surprised me actually was after the 2016 presidential election hmm. when we saw um, essentially the defeat of Hillary Clinton, a highly qualified individual um, to, you know, lose to Donald Trump. We went from maybe 50, 60 women who were signing up for our online classes to 1,300, 1,400 women who were signing up to run for public office. It was a real sea change, I think, in just the psyche of American women. We all thought that progress was happening. Yes, it might be a little bit slow, but we were going in the right direction. And that will be, and, and we already sort of know it as a marker of women's political history of the moment in which women sort of looked up and said, oh, we are not making that much progress, actually. The gains are small year after year. The year of the woman is only, you know, one or two more women per cycle. Hmm. Um, while the headlines might make it feel different, when we started to look at the hard numbers, um, it was quite obvious that the pace of progress was going to take hundreds of years. So what we're doing at Vote Run Lead Action is we have literally named the time frame about how to shrink that, that no longer can we really wait these, you know, election cycle, election cycle for 2% growth or 3% growth, that we have to have an aggressive strategy to feed women's majorities. We're 51% of the population and we deserve to be 51% of the elected leaders in a representative democracy. And, and women need to look as diverse as the um, you know, as women look in the United States. Um, so it's not just about the numbers. It's also about the diversity, the ethnic uh, and racial diversity and the, um, you know, orientation and identity diversity of, of what makes up the, the women's community in the U.S. So what surprised me, I think, was not so much, you know, the outrage after the 2016 election, but the number of women, the sort of, you know, 20-fold or two, you know, the, the type of growth that we saw and honestly, we're seeing those gains really sustained. Hmm. There is still a, uh, a surge of women that are interested in using their political voice, not just as voters, but as candidates. Okay. Okay. Let me quickly reintroduce you to our audience. We're talking with Erin Velarde. She's the founder and CEO of Vote Run Lead and Vote Run Lead Action. And then Becca Phelps, we're also talking with, is the Oregon State Director. So uh, I'll, I'll stay with you, Erin. Break it down for us of, of how your organization, you know, take us through the, 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 the peace parts, if you will, of, of what you're trying to do and how you're doing it. 
Absolutely. So, you know, after that 2016 election, we were fortunate enough to have, you know, hundreds of resources online and really be able to help any woman run for any office as fast as we could with our tiny team. But, um, you know, a few years ago, we had a moment to pause and say, what is the fastest way to actually truly have a game changing strategy to to create a country that is actually run by women? And what would it look like to have a women's majority? And we looked at the state legislatures. It is and has turned out to be the most critical office of our decade and probably the next couple of decades. It's where all the SCOTUS decisions are living. It's where American policy is actually um, having its biggest fights, whether they be about our democracy, about our voting rights, about women's ability to control our own bodies. The state legislature is one of these key places where it's all, it's all happening. And we went state by state. We created a strategy called Run 51, where we believe that we can go from just one state in the nation having a women's majority to by 2030, probably seven states could have a women's majority. And we believe Oregon is one of those states. It's why we hired Becca. Um, We believe we can accelerate that timeline and that we will see a democracy we have not seen before. We will see legislation that we have not seen before um, and that we will actually beginning to see the promise of, uh, you know, true representation with 51% or more women in our legislatures and women as, you know, majority leaders and Senate presidents um, and in those critical positions of power. Hmm. Becca, I'm wondering, you know, I, I know you haven't been with the organization that long, but just, but you you understand sort of Oregon politics. And I'm wondering, you know, are we, this state, are we better than average in terms of attracting uh, women to run for higher office? Are we behind the curve? We're certainly both a, which a lot of states are, a, a kind of an interesting blend of highly popular urban centers, but also a tremendous rural population as well. You know, kind of what's your read on on how we're doing in Oregon in terms of getting towards that, you know, that balance you've been talking about with, between men and women elected uh, elected leaders? You know, since I've started this role working with women from all over the country, I've heard other folks refer to Oregon as the Wild West. Hmm. And I laugh. And at the same time, um, it kind of is. So we do have a huge sprawl of rural landscape, rural community um, and rural districts that are large. And I know many of my coworkers, you know, claim that about their states as well. But I really, truly think Oregon holds this a little bit of a different landscape with where and how our rural areas compare to the urban city centers like the Portland area and the valley. Sure. And there's such a divide between the two. So um, here in Oregon, you know, I get the chance to work with a really strong resource and impressive data team here at Vote Run Lead and Vote Run Lead Action. And so I have some numbers for you. I can kind of give sure. you some interesting rundowns of where we're at in the state. So we have over 50% um, population of women here in Oregon, and it's actually at 50.4%. Based on that, only 30% of state senators are women and 48.3% of state representatives are women. Hmm. So we see that as a huge opportunity. We want gender parity in the state legislature, and we know that we can recruit women who are interested in running and have, you know, coach them and support them and advocate for them to utilize our resources and 
learn about what Vote Run Lead Action can do to help them. Is it that you need to get more and more women into the funnel of, of, of running for office so that you can hopefully have a certain matrix of success of which they can win? Is it, is it kind of like you start with as many as you possibly can and, 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 and kind of hope that a few of them get in and that just keeps building on itself? That was the early strategy, and I think that was the early strategy for a lot of folks in the women's political space that, mm-hmm. you know, there are 519,000 seats in the country. Let's get as many, let's encourage as many women to run for office as is humanly possible. Um, but, you know, you wouldn't really need strategy if you had all the resources in the world, but sure. that's not the case, right? So with our, our, you know, re- our fundraising resources, our talented team, we make choices about what are the best ways that we can prove out our model of what would each of the 50 states look like if there were 50.4% or 52% women in these legislatures. And, you know, right now I think your our listeners would probably agree that Congress is pretty dysfunctional, right? Mm. It's not a place where a lot of good things are coming out. And we see the legislatures as, you know, laboratories of democracy where things can get tested out, where you have various models across all 50 states. I mean, Oregon, with the, the number of measures that voters actually get to vote on, um, you know, the high voter turnout, the already positive role models you see of women in the legislature. So now when we look strategically at Oregon, we're looking at these Senate seats. We're looking at where the gaps are. The gaps are for women of color. There's no black women in the Senate in Oregon that, you know, mirrors the national model. We're looking at things like uh, potential child care legislation. You know, child care deserts are something that is a big deal in Oregon when we when you have other positive legislation around, um, you know, women's economic independence, uh, caretaking. So these are areas we see as opportunities to say, if we can look at states, and we're working in a lot of states out west, also working in Washington, Arizona, New Mexico, Oregon, these are models for what the future could look like. So if we, you know, in two election cycles, get 58, 60% women in the Oregon legislature, what's different about how that legislature is operating? We know from 30, 40 years of research that women pass budgets on time, they bring more resources home to their districts, they're more willing to work across the aisle, I think something we all wanna get back to. Um, they're, They're essentially, you know, in short, Michael, they're better at government, right? And writ large, if you look at the sort of metadata. So we truly think that focusing on the legislature is getting sort of district by district, encouraging women, and that's why Becca's on the ground, um, has to be consistent. Because when you don't have consistent support of women's representation, you end up backsliding. And Oregon itself has, has seen a couple of points uh, drop in the number of women's representation. So we can't just say, oh, we got here, we got to 51%, or we're seeing, you know, we're, we're getting closer year after year. Women's leadership is still somewhat controversial. And so it's critical that we make sure we sort of continue to have the backs of women who step up to run for public office um, year after year. Becca, I'm wondering sort of on the ground where you are, can you talk a little bit about sort of this concept of recruitment? Yeah, I've been lucky enough to really expand my network here all across the state through the various ballot measures and campaigns I've had the chance to work on and the variety of nonprofits that, you know, I've also had the pleasure and excitement of working with and for. So I feel like part of it comes from, you know, personal outreach. Um, It's known that it takes a woman seven times minimum before they agree to run for office if someone's recruiting them. And that motivates me even more to make sure someone that's really strong and 
um, knowledgeable, but not in the sense that they have to be knowledgeable about every detail in politics, because I think that's impossible. And I also think that's inequitable and inaccessible. However, someone that's knowledgeable in even one specific realm, maybe it's childcare, maybe it's healthcare, um, but someone who's really an expert and really passionate about a topic or something that they've had to go through personally and has turned them into an expert are people that I think have a lot of power and a lot of um, opportunity to be coached, to be um, encouraged to run. Let me reintroduce you to our audience. We're talking with Erin Velarde. She's the founder and CEO of Vote Run Lead and Vote Run Lead Action and Becca Phelps, who is the Oregon state director of that organization. Is there sort of like you know, kind of the raw clay of of what might make somebody a successful candidate if they've never run before? Absolutely. It's a great question, Michael. You know, the first and foremost is the fire in the belly, right? We at Boat Run Lead can teach you how to fundraise. We can teach you how to turn your stories, your life stories into a great stump speech. We can connect you on the Boat Run Lead action side to campaign managers, and we have coaches on standby to help with your tough questions. So we can really help you through the life cycle of the things you don't know. And, and let's be honest, there is low civic literacy of how to do these things. We don't have, you know, that, this kind of, you know, in our schools and how to run. And, you know, so we, there is a bit to learn. So don't, we don't take people who don't have that experience, Sure. but if you are ready to affect change, if you get energy from other people, if you are somebody that, you know, knows how to negotiate and sort of meet in the middle, that's what we're, you know, when you're a legislator, you are working with, you know, 60 other folks in the in the House and 30 other folks in the Senate, you have to, you know, know how to hold your ground and know the things that you um, might be able to, um, you know, have a conversation about. Particularly, we are looking for people also who are open to new ideas. The way we have been doing business in our legislatures, the way we're doing business right now in our Congress is not working for the American people. So if you have an idea that feels big, but, you know, you're actually not looking to go to DC, you know, I think too often we get women that are like, okay, I'll go to Congress. I'm like, well, tell me about the issue you care about. It actually doesn't get legislated at the congressional level. Hmm. That gets legislated in your state house. Billions of dollars, particularly from the, you know, build back better um, at the federal level, go through the legislatures. Um, maybe it's your county commission. What is the, the resources? What is the issue that you care about? And where do those resources get allocated? Most often we are directing people to the state Senate or the state house because hmm. there's so much, uh, trillions of dollars that go through the legislature, and it's your job to allocate them. So that fire in the belly, the willing to learn the skills of, uh, you know, sort of civic leadership, and, you know, your ability to stand your ground on on the things you care about, but also to work with others to get the job done. What's your pitch like in terms of trying to get people to, to enter into that fray? Because let's face it, a lot of people would say, I, I don't want to deal with that kind of headache and heartache. Two things, and this is Aaron, two yep. things on that, Michael. The first is that part of that the story of dysfunction, I often think, is a way to keep regular folks out of the system, to hmm. keep regular people thinking, that is not a place for me, I don't want to deal with that headache, or, you know, you must sort of be a part of the old boys club in order to make it through what feels like often muddy waters. Um, but the second piece is that most of the women that we talk to, and historically why women run for office, is because they want to get something done. The research shows that men tend to raise their hand to run for public office because it's more normalized. It's a status component. You know, th there's other reasons. But for this, on the flip side, women tend to run for office because they want to 
you know, put a stop sign, you know, put a light where a stop sign was in their community. There is a specific thing that they want to get done. And as I shared earlier, they have more women in public office actually increases the sort of effectiveness rate of that body. So we can talk to them about the research, but, you know, then Becca can have these one-on-one conversations. And that's why it's so important for her to be on the ground to say, there is a path to making this happen. And there's, we're not going to be Pollyanna-ish about it. We're going to tell you what's hard. We're going to tell you there has been a rise in, you know, some of the digital harassment and things that we're seeing, but here's how you get around that. Because the purpose of those things is actually to keep you out. The, you know, the rise of the harassment, the, um, you know, keeping the dysfunction high is so that folks like us don't actually decide to step up. So when people hear that, when women hear that, it's really emotionally resonant. They say, oh, I, I get that now, right? Because it is a place, as I shared, where trillions of dollars get get legislated, yeah. where you can decide if $20 million goes to a homeless shelter or $20 million goes to clean water or whatever it is that you care about, you get to allocate those dollars. There's a lot of power there. Um, and it's important for Becca, she, you know, and, and our folks on the ground across the country, you will talk to other women who have been in your shoes. And I think that's a real sweet spot of vote remedy action is that we have an alumni network. We have 129 women in legislatures across 30 states. You have access to other women who have done this before who, you know, like I said, have walked in your shoes. Well, we're going to have to leave it there. Uh, intriguing conversation. They are uh, with Vote Run Lead, and you can go to voterunlead.org and find out more. We've been talking with Erin Velardi. She's the founder and CEO of Vote Run Lead and Vote Run Lead Action. And Becca Phelps is the Oregon State Director of the organization. Really want to thank you both for coming on and talking about your organization and, and what your goals are. Thanks for thank having you. us, Michael. That's our show for today. On tomorrow's show, we talk with Lane Community College about their launch of a new Bachelor of Applied Science degree to help students get the equivalent of a four-year business degree without the cost of a four-year college. And we're always interested in your ideas. Do you have a topic you'd like us to pursue? Email us at questions at klcc.org. This show, along with all episodes of Oregon on the Record, is available at klcc.org. I'm Michael Dunn, and this has been Oregon on the Record from KLCC. Thanks for listening.